0: Welcome to CCIA Insights, a periodic podcast for CCI members. From members, retain resources, and staff. I hope you enjoy the latest episode. If you ever have any ideas for future content or people you'd like us to talk to, give us a shout out. Just contact one of the staff at CCIA. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the uh, CCI podcast, Joan. Our uh, podcast. Uh, CCI Insights is, a, is meant to be for members from members. Really happy to have you on as a chair of the board for CCIA and president and CEO at SWBC Life Insurance Company. Um, we do like to get to know our guests a little bit and then we'll get into some questions. I know that um, you've shared with me, for example, your passion for horses, but I'm not sure if everyone is aware uh, of that. How, how did you get into that? How long have you been uh, in, in into horses?
1: Well, let's see. I've pretty much had one off and on my whole life, okay. and then clearly, when my uh, children were going through school, had to put it on the back burner. But as soon as my youngest went off to college, my husband looked at me and said, wow, what are we going to do now as empty nesters? (laughs) And I looked at him, I said, I don't know about you, but I'm buying a horse again. So, (laughs) And there you have it. And that's what I've done the last several
0: years. And then how often do you get out?
1: Well, you know, I own an off-the-track thoroughbred, so, and I do what's called three-day eventing, which means okay. when you show, you do a combination of dressage, which is very boring horse ballet in some yeah. respects, uh, cross-country, which is the most fun. That's running at a breakneck speed through fields and jumping over logs and ditches and things. Oh, wow, cool. And then stadium jumping, which is the final leg where you jump, nice little jumps that fall down in a ring, which is very tame after your cross country gallop. So, and I try to ride him every single day I'm in town, which used to be about four or five days at the most um, with all the travel, but uh, post COVID, or I should say post sheltering at home, he gets ridden almost every single day. Now I enjoy it. I'm not so sure he does, but you know, (laughs) what's your (laughs) favorite, uh,
0: what's your favorite part about the, the three-day, or you know, the three-fold
1: event—running at breakneck yeah, speed. that's your favorite a, a field part. Field and jumping over ditches and logs and everything else. And Why? Hoping that I don't die.
0: Why does that not surprise me? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it just makes me think of you know you're you're a, a leader in the industry and how how did you find your way to San Antonio? Do, uh, uh, tell us maybe you don't where mean you've
1: been. doing <laughs> Doing foolish things at breakneck. No, speed.
0: not at all. I'm sure it's all <laughs> under control.
1: Well, you know, before I came to San Antonio, I was up at Prudential in Newark, New Jersey, and I kind of was responsible, not kind of, I truly was responsible for leading innovation there which meant new products or markets or distribution channels. So one of the things that I had the opportunity to lead was the development of an internet-based term insurance product. So consumers could go online, buy directly, pay for it online, get their policy online. Things that are becoming pretty normal now, but, you know, 10 years ago, it was kind of cut. Yeah. And. I had to go to the chairman to get approval for the project because it, it had a very high dollar figure <laughs> associated with this development. Yeah. And he said, love the idea, love the concept, no way in heck, we're going to go direct to consumers. Prudential is based their history on working with agents and brokers. Wow. Okay. So I was like, ah, oh, kind of put my tail between my leg and started to walk out and I turned and I said, well, what if I build a financial institution channel and distribute it through banks and credit unions? And he goes, I like it. Let's do it.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: I knew a tiny amount about bank distribution of life insurance sure. products. And I knew even less amount about credit union distribution of bank insurance products. Right. So, so um, some people I know said, you need to talk to Charlie Amato and Gary Dudley and they'll teach you. And I said, OK, so I go, Do you have a phone number? And they go, yep. And I picked up the phone and I called Charlie and he was absolutely gracious, called me back and we spoke for about two or three hours. And then not surprisingly, they became one of the first distributors of the product when it was done.
0: Oh, OK. It's all, it's all coming so, together now. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yes. So they started as a, a client of ours at Prudential. And then I ran into Charlie at the American Bankers Insurance Association meeting. And he said, my insurance company just isn't growing how I'd like it to. You know, anybody wants to run it. And I thought, "Hmm, (laughs) Newark, San Antonio, (laughs) Newark. Yeah, I go. How about me? And he said, you'd leave New Jersey. And I wanted to remind him I'd only lived there for seven years for work. And it's like, yeah, in a heartbeat. Not to disparage people that yeah, live in New Jersey, absolutely. but when you grow up on the West Coast it's, uh, and you marry somebody from a huge cattle ranch in North Dakota, it's a lot of people in the New okay. Jersey area. Okay. Yeah. For him to. Uh, so it was a great move. Um, yeah. We are the epitome of the people that have the bumper sticker in Texas that says, I'm not from here, but we got here as fast as we could. So <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. But yeah, it's been awesome. SWBC is a fabulous company. And my team that works with me is just, uh, I'd stack them against anybody in the industry. They're the best.
0: Well, that's that's great. I, I, thanks for going through that history. It's fun to... Understand how that all came together, and where so? Where did your online? Where would your project end up? What's the Um, story on that?
1: It ended up well, uh, I think. After we left uh, Prudential, after some changes in the industry, they kind of brought it back to where it really is—just on their website um, now—that they sell direct to consumer and not going intermediaries at this point. Okay. Okay. But it's interesting, you know, it's, it's a lot of things you learn there in developing that that are that are becoming so table stakes now, like I said before, right, you know, online completion of an application. <laughs> what a novel concept, right? It's like we all we all think that should just be absolutely one way that consumers should be able to buy a product, whether they go through their credit union Uh, as they do with uh, our payment protection products or a lender of any type, or they just want to buy online, particularly now with all of our pandemic sheltering at home.
0: You know, and that can apply to, um, you know, PNC products, you know, the auto channel homeowners. Um, It's it's, everything. It's just a, yeah,
1: it's just an omni-channel world. I mean, consumers should be able to buy any product and really anything that they want however they wish. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's end to end. I mean, they may go online and then have some questions. Am I doing the right thing? Pick up the phone and call the, you know, the insurance company, the manufacturer of an automobile and, you know, dealership, whatever it might be and get their questions answered and then finish online or then maybe go in somewhere and buy online Mm -hmm. or buy in person, work with an agent. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. What, well, how yeah. would you
0: describe the state? So our, our industry across all the products um, generally, and there are some that are, you know, purchased direct outside of this lending channel, but it really is the intersection of lending and protection, whether it's lender plays, credit gap, you know, debt can, right. motor, uh, motor club, service contracts. How would you describe the state of play with regard to the online channel uh, in, in, in our industry?
1: I think we're getting uh, much more prevalent in selling all of our products online. And basically, and I think from our standpoint, we're a manufacturer and we provide the tools to the lender and whether that's our application or our pricing and everything for them to put online. But it's, uh, you know, one of the things that we've certainly done, and I know many of the carriers as well is make our forms you know, fillable forms right. that a credit union, for, whether it's an application for credit insurance or the application for the debt can protection, make it a fillable form that the credit union or the lender can offer up to their member, um, accept electronic signatures. And, and, you know, even that electronic piece moves into the claims area. Mm-hmm. You know, we Mm -hmm. no longer have to get a piece of paper that's got a wet signature on it, my goodness, Mm -hmm. Uh, or request, absolutely request every single time a certified copy of the death certificate and be able to rub our hands over the embossed seal. I mean, you know, we try to make it as easy as possible in the claims area, whether that's taking a letting somebody take a picture of the death certificate and texting it to us, you know, things like that. Should just be normal now. Right.
0: How would you how would you rate the industry? Do you have a sense for that? Like on a, a you know scale of one, one to ten?
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, it, I think we're, we we've passed the. Hump. Yeah. Okay. I think we're definitely over five six. I think we're we're getting there. Okay. Uh I think the acquisition of coverage is much easier than the uh, reaping the benefits. Okay. And I think that's certainly where I've been putting a lot of focus, you know, and my time is how do we make that claims process easier? How do we get the payments back to the credit unions faster? How do we, how do we collect the right information to adjudicate that mm-hmm. claim and not just stuff because we always have, right. you know, that type right. of thing.
0: Right, right, interesting. You know,
1: a, lot of, a lot of innovation really doesn't come down to pure innovation it comes down to what is the customer experience and if i were that customer how would i want that experience to go and, and just make it you know and i don't want to say easier mm-hmm. because sometimes it's yeah. not but just a better experience overall and make that process as short as possible
0: right Right. I mean, I know you have to be careful about projecting your personal preferences, but I do appreciate, for example, when I, whatever, whoever the service provider is, they ask me how I want to be communicated with, you know, email, text, phone call, and I get to choose. And I I think it's great because one is more invasive than the other uh, and people, you know, use different channels and notice, of course, everything I said was digital there was nothing in there about uh, right. snail mail as right. a matter of fact i don't exactly. know about you when i get a bill in the mail i'm like why are we getting this bill um so obviously exactly. times have changed
1: yeah exactly and, and your preferences may morph they may morph daily they may morph hourly or it could be you know yearly it just depends right or it could be based on whatever service you're getting um so it's really it's really interesting in that place getting that personality to shine through however we're working with that end consumer is what's so important. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard thing to capture online, but I think all companies are getting much, much better at that.
0: Well, that's interesting because that's also, um, well, you could argue on the one hand that that shouldn't personality and friendliness should not butt up against regulatory compliance requirements. However, On the other hand, you know, at least from the CFPB perspective, there are some that are concerned about any staff straying from a script in any way. Have you have you talked about that or what do you think about that? Is that a healthy tension or should we not have to worry?
1: Uh, Well, it's it's a healthy tension. And I think we do have to worry because often compliance is the if you look at the language or you read a compliance statement Mm -hmm. Often it's very sterile and it's not written in what I refer to as consumer. It's not language that consumers relate to. I think many compliance departments are really trying to pay attention to that to make sure that they're they're getting the right thing across to the end user. But also the end user has got to understand it. I mean. You know, if we put a bunch of legal jargon at them and we're protected, so we think when it comes down to the point, well, did the person really understand mm. what they read? Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, had some ING compliance information come my way a while ago, and it was the privacy statement. And it was really funny because it started off and saying, hey, this looks like a lot of stuff that you've got to read through. But trust me, it's really important and we want you to read it. Oh. And I thought, I'm going to read it now. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how it started. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we have to convey to folks. And that's what we really have to do, you know, in our overall compliance area. I don't think compliance is necessarily you know, it, it used to be the scapegoat and the right. like, oh, compliance is holding that up. Right. I think compliance has really become an integrated part of the business. And so, certainly with us, you know, I rely on them to make sure that they keep me out of trouble mm-hmm. and that we're saying things the right way. I think the the wave has really shifted from, you know, compliance being somebody that we thought was a roadblock to sales right Mm -hmm. now. Now it's really an integrated part of that. Now I think a lot of our focus in the industry and as all the way down with SWBC is really making sure that we're secure. And because going back to what we talked about, everything being online, that we protect all of our customers, whether that's a lender, whether it's a consumer whomever that might be, we protect that data that we're entrusted with or that we see. Yeah. Right. I mean, all of that information that that's where the real focus is is around cybersecurity. Right. And that that's a significant focus, I think, for all of us in the industry and certainly us at SWBC. That we have a chief, you know, information security officer. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, you do? Okay. That's good advice. Um, thinking about compliance being integral to the operation, as opposed to, um, you know, an encumbrance, or certainly never, never right. an afterthought. And that's, I think, what maybe insuretech and fintech are finding out is they're thinking about compliance. Uh, at least historically, they were thinking about it after the fact, uh, and, and it really right. slowed them down. So, well, what do you see as right. the, um, you know, maybe the opportunity out there? Is it? Is it? Is it really? Um, expanding on or continuing to perfect the the technology online aspects of the business? Uh, or what, what, what do you think about, and this is kind of the opposite of what, what keeps you up at night from an opportunity perspective, maybe as, as opposed to, yeah. you know, what's the scary stuff out there?
1: Well, I think clearly the making it easy mm-hmm. for our products to be accessible and to be purchased. And so that, you know, shift that paradigm where we're selling something to where we're enabling someone to buy it. I think that is, is probably the key thing there. But I think too, is the education aspect. Not only the education for the the consumer and our trainers do a great job in really working with loan reps at lenders and talking about the benefits of the product, not so much just a product push. Mm-hmm. But also, we need to be, and this is where CCIA is so critical we need to keep educating the regulators and legislators out there so they understand mm-hmm. what our products do for consumers. You know, I think about if we drill down just into the, the payment protection world, so enabling people to have life insurance or disability coverage or involuntary unemployment, that those people, people that they can't get those products elsewhere at the levels that they get to right. buy that product. Right. You know, If you think about life insurance, and I think not too long ago, the average loan was just under $8,000. And people can cover that loan in case they pass away right. with the life protection. Right. You can't go out and buy an $8,000 life insurance policy. I mean, yes, you could get a final expense one maybe sure. that's pretty darn expensive that right. would cover you up to $25,000. But fully underwritten, you know, the minimum face amount's 100000 on that. So we're enabling consumers to get coverage that they couldn't really otherwise get. That's for that specific loan. You could always say, oh, yes, I have, you know, a couple hundred thousand and my family will pay off all my mm-hmm. loans. Maybe, right. maybe right. not, you know. And then, and then again, to allow these individuals to get disability coverage. I mean, non-can disability coverage is almost unheard of there for an individual these days. You know, a lot of us get short-term disability or long-term disability through our employer, but it's pretty hard to find, you know, a individual disability policy that you can go out and buy. Right. And these folks have it right. through the payment protection world right. and involuntary unemployment. That's crazy. And, you know, I'm sure with the other companies out there as well, but right now we're being inundated with involuntary unemployment claims due to that rapid increase in, in unemployment in the U.S. It is great to be able to help all of these members and make those payments for them for a short period of time while they're getting, you know, trying to find a new job.
0: Right. Yeah. And you're, you're hitting on some really good points, uh, jo- uh, Joan, on not only the value of the products, but that overarching theme of education. We find that. Mm-hmm. Um, much As much as you do as educating uh, sellers, such as a loan officer, but spending quality time with the legislator or regulator on really what the products do uh, is just invaluable. And that's at a federal and at a state level. Uh, you know, we had a great discussion right. with our friend out in uh, uh, New Jersey, you know, on the CPI side and out in California. Mm-hmm. John spent some time with coalition on some issues out there. Um, and then I, you think you're well aware, too, we, we came up to your, you know, again, coming back to this theme, the LPI messaging kind of packet of information was all around, how do we tell the right story at, at the right time? So really well said. Right.
1: And and you just had a good session with the CFPB as well, right? Yeah,
0: nine people on the phone um, just talking about what, what the products do. Now, in particular, that, yes, that was focused on credit IUI, understandably, because of the current environment we're in. It was great mm-hmm. to follow up with those uh, statistics showing the value. We don't get chances like that very often. And for our listeners out there, um, I'm, I'm going to make another shameless plug for consumer testimonials as well, because they help make the data uh, real. So, Joan, what, um, any, any thoughts as we're kind of coming to the end of our time here? Uh, any thoughts that you'd want to share with members of just about CCIA or goings-on or kind of how you're viewing as chair? How you're viewing CCIA these days?
1: Well, I think the the key thing with CCIA is, you know, to highlight again this education, the ability that we have not only to share best practices amongst all of the members of CCIA, mm-hmm. but that together, and really, Tom, I think this is due to your leadership that we're a recognized industry amongst some of the other like industry organizations out there like you know what we do with the automobile industry mm-hmm. what we do with simro cia and even the american bankers insurance association although i know that that program has morphed a little right. bit now but really to the coalition that you formed with all of them that we can take our like messages up to the hill and i'm referencing the yes. capital in dc yeah. together i mean that 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 amplifies our voice so much and i think it's being heard i think you should take credit for the cfpb this week repealing cordray's uh, payday lending (laughs) laws
0: (laughs) since you just had
1: that conversation with them two weeks ago yeah yeah yeah. i I think that's key (laughs) but i think you know that's what cci is doing for us you know the payment protection products the gap the warranty the lender place insurance all of those are are great great benefits for lenders, as well as the end consumer, and I think at times the the economics of the businesses of the insurance companies gets lost a little bit on some of the legislators and politicians and things right. um, you know that's, we, we need to keep a business friendly environment. Right with our government to understand all of these things. Um, And I think that's the role of CCIA is really to be able to educate and advocate for our products and for the industry.
0: Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. Our objective is absolutely to assure a healthy market for our member products, you know, to the benefit of uh, our members, but then also your clients and their clients being the end consumers nationwide. So, well, John, right, exactly. thank you so much for spending time uh, with me and, and on this uh, CCI Insights episode two. I'm uh, very excited to uh, be able to spend time with you as chair of our board, uh, but then also obviously a leader in the industry and a thought leader out there too. So um, thanks again for joining uh, the CCI podcast, and uh, this will be coming to our uh, members at, to a theater near you in the, in the near future. Thanks again.
1: You are most welcome. And I hope everybody stays safe and healthy right now during these uh, COVID-19 days. Thanks
0: so much, Joan. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the CCIA Insights podcast. Again, if you have ideas, please send them our way and be sure to share this with your team. Thank you.